Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Chat with Nessa. I'm so happy and grateful to know that I have Dr. Theon Gordon with me. Dr. Gordon has been so gracious to reschedule this for me because I was not feeling well a couple of weeks ago. And she's a very, very busy woman. This woman is a CEO, a writer, award-winning producer and philanthropist. And she's on the West Coast. And I just appreciate her because she took the time of her busy schedule. She didn't have to do to find some time in your busy schedule. I'm anxious to get to know you better because I had your good friend Delphine Pruitt on over a month ago. And she spoke so highly of you. I just had to have you on chat with Nessa uh, to talk about you. all of your phenomenal work of what you're doing in the community. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Delphine is a really good friend and, and her interview was fantastic. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, she's a fantastic woman. That's why that was fantastic. Now, I really want to start with you because I want to know about your childhood growing up. Did you envision becoming this phenomenal businesswoman, award-winning writer, producer, or philanthropist? What were your dreams like as a little girl growing up? Was it all this, you envisioned this as a child or at a young age? Oh, wow. No, I did not envision any of this when I was growing up. When I uh, grew up, I grew up in Washington, D.C., D.C., which I call deep country because my parents were from South Carolina and we had a farm in our backyard in Southeast D.C. So we had corn and we had collards and we had tomatoes and all sorts of vegetables and fruit trees. So I thought I was a country girl, to tell you the truth and that I would be maybe a farmer like my parents were. Uh, we had, um, I have seven siblings. Wow. And uh, we all were together all the time. My parents made sure that we stayed together. And um, I really didn't think, I think growing up, I really wasn't thinking about what's in the future. I really lived in the moment, every single moment I lived. Now, I did direct my friends in little plays and things like that. I would make up little plays. And of course, I played with my Barbie dolls and made up stories and things like that. But I never thought about it as a means to an end or anything like that. It was just in the moment having fun. Wow. So you're a D.C. native. You don't meet too many of us. I'm born and raised in the city. My parents, was, my father's from North Carolina. And okay. D.C. is the South. But if D you tell me. Uh, don't don't come on the East Coast and say that to a Washingtonian though. They're ready to fight because they are in denial that we live in the South. It really yes. is still going on to this day. We don't live in the South. We're not Southerners. Uh, will you look at the map? <laughs> well, we don't really live in the South. But we are. We migrated from the South. Thank and you. That's what makes so many people Thank Southerners you. there. And yeah. they don't like to be called that, believe uh -huh. it or not. I, yeah. I am a proud D.C. person. It's not a lot of us left. You know, everybody lives here now, moving for the federal government. The area has so changed so drastically the last 20, oh, it's been the last 10 years. I don't know the last time you visited the city. Every time I visit, it looks new. It's just <laughs> it's just a whole different D.C. So that's phenomenal. So you had a farm in Southeast. That's phenomenal. Yeah, and most people are from the South. Who live here um, because, you know, uh, African-Americans had to come north, no little further north to get opportunities. So that's phenomenal. Now, what was your educational path and what did you study in school and what was your initial goal to receiving your doctorate to become Dr. Gordon? Ah, so I stepped from uh, high school. So my mother's goal, uh, my mother was a widow. My father passed away early in uh, early in my life. And so my mother had to raise eight children by herself. And she had a house in Southeast DC, which she and my father purchased. 
And in order to get governmental support, they told her she would have to get rid of the house and move into uh, subsidized housing. And my mother chose to keep the house and make it on her own. So my mother was an entrepreneur. She did hair. She had a daycare center. She sold Amway and Shackley and uh, Crystal Princess House and anything else you could think of. My mom sold it, especially Katie did. Because when I had a hard time, when I first got to California, I was like, I'm going to sell some Katie did's and make some money. <laughs> and I started a little company and sold Katie did's and made my little money to pay my rent. But I digress. My mom was truly an entrepreneur and uh, kept us together. With that, she wanted us to have the best that we could. We went to public school most of our life. But then as I got to the junior high school level or middle school level, um, the schools just didn't seem to be getting better. Uh, my siblings who were older, they had gone through and they made it through, but the schools weren't really good in the area where we were. And so my mother sacrificed and put uh, my younger sister and I in Catholic school. And in, in that Catholic school path, we actually were learning to be business people. Uh, I took typing. I went to St. Patrick's Academy and it was a business school. So we learned, I had shorthand of over 120 words per minute. I could type over 120 words per minute. And by my junior year, by I guess maybe, I think I worked for the government for two or three years part-time. I was working for the government. I worked for the Department of Justice. I worked for the Internal Revenue Service. And I was just typing and doing shorthand and on my way to having a government career, which was what my mother's goal was for us, was get a good government job and then you'll be okay. So after graduating from high school or upon my graduation from high school, I digressed from the plan. And I told my mother, I don't want to work for the government. I really don't like it. I like to be freer and I want to go to college. And, you know, most parents would say, yay, you're going to college. But my mother had really sacrificed in paying for Catholic school, which would have been like paying for college. And so she thought a good government job was the best path. And she was like, if you're going to go to college, you got to figure it out yourself. And so I did. I got grants. I got scholarships. And I ended up going to Howard University, which is where I really started appreciating education, a different type of education, not just learning a trade to do something like typing or being a secretary, but just ex exploring and expanding my mind. And I studied communications. And in that communication study, I thought I would be a journalist until I had a teacher kill my dreams because she told me that I wasn't pretty enough to be a journalist and I probably wasn't going to be smart enough to do it. So I probably should go into a different field. And I was the type of person that believed adults. And so as much as I studied communications, I thought I better keep my typing skills up and I better keep everything else up because I'm probably not going to be a journalist. But I still studied communications. I still graduated with my bachelor's in communication. And I ended up going into advertising. Uh, from advertising, I was able to transition and move to California. And when I got to California, um, it was just different. In D.C., we have these regular schedules. People get up early. You get on the bus. You got to do what you got to do. You do your hard day's work and you work really hard. And I was a hard worker. But in California, it was a little different. People didn't get up as early, number one. So when I arrived to work earlier than everyone else, people just automatically thought, man, she's really smart. 
man, she's really this or she's really that. And so I was able to progress really quickly. Uh, people would call on me to do things more because I was always accessible to do it. And in doing that, I moved from advertising to doing some computer technology teaching uh, to actually working with nonprofits and working in the entertainment industry. And so that's kind of what started my path uh, as I was here because I was such a hard worker and people didn't work in the same kind of pace. I was able to go back to school. I decided to go back and went to Pepperdine, got my MBA. And from there, I just, I love learning. So I, I decided to go on and get my doctorate. Wow. What was your thesis? What was your area of study for your doctorate? So uh, that's an interesting thing as well. I had so many ideas of what I wanted my doctorate to be. At the time, I was working with a youth center doing gang prevention and intervention. And so I decided I wanted my doctorate to be around gang prevention and intervention. But it was so many different things to explore in that arena. Um, and then I started hearing other people and what they were studying. And I was like, oh, I want to study the Black experience. Or, oh, I want to study about how computers are impacting everyone's life. And I couldn't get myself together enough to figure out what I was going to study. So um, I was in human and organizational development as my path, but I didn't know what my dissertation would be. And I had uh, a professor say to me, your dissertation is not your life's work. You want to get out of school. So what are you going to do that you like enough to get out of school? And then I was like, ah, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then he said, think about something that if you're at a cocktail party and someone says, what was your dissertation about? You wouldn't mind talking about it. And so I decided I like stories. My grandfather used to tell me stories. My mom used to tell me stories. Storytellers were all in my family. And I decided to do my dissertation around stories. And in particular, I did my dissertation on res uh, resiliency theory and how storytelling impacts the resiliency of young black women. Mm. Um, and I did a study around inner city girls and how stories impacted their life. That is fascinating. What year did you get your doctorate? When did you become I a doctor? I got my doctorate in 2007. Wow, are you the only doctor in your family? Only doctorate? Out of the I'm siblings, the only one in my siblings, yes, of my siblings, yes. Mm -hmm. Wow! And all you—are you the baby? Are you the youngest? I'm not the baby. There's one younger than me, and uh, I'm next to the baby, though. Okay, my mom was the oldest of seven, six girls oh, and one boy. Family. See, six girls and one thing. boy. And my uncle, my one uncle, was the second oldest next to my mom, but he was like the baby because he was the only son. So he could do no wrong, walk on water, grandma's baby. I mean, it, it just he just did whatever he wanted to do. We had four and four, four girls, four boys. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So all your siblings, are you all over the country? I'm just being nosy at this point. We are. I love bit. big families. I love the story of family. That's yeah, why I'm asking my, these my questions. Family is is kind of all over. We have New Jersey, Virginia, um, Florida. California, North Carolina. Yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal. 
Yes. Oh, North Carolina. And I have a lot of family in North Carolina because my father was born and raised in North Carolina. And okay. so you have somebody local in Virginia. Okay. Okay. So that's not too far from DC. Now you've had so many leadership roles and reading up on you have so many things you've done over the years. Can you tell me about two of your prior positions where you work? Is it the one I'm really curious about? You worked as executive director of a place called Home Youth Center. And you also had another position executive director of She Ready Foundation. I wanted you to elaborate on your work with that because I know you have done so much. Those two really piqued my interest and I wanted you to tell us about those two positions you had. Okay, so uh, A Place Called Home was actually my first nonprofit executive director position. And again, we did their gang prevention and intervention. It was a wonderful experience uh, working with young people in the, the prevention part is what's so important to me because if you can catch people before they start getting uh, going astray, then you can really develop them well. The intervention's a little tougher because you got to get in and you got to change people's mind and you got to convince them that they're not going to die before they're 14. So they do have other things that they can do. Uh, but both, but a place called home was a wonderful experience. And I was there, uh, took the organization from having two weeks of payroll in the bank to a over $5 million organization. And it still stands there today. I'm very proud of my accomplishments with A Place Called Home. Most people know me from A Place Called Home, and that's what they call me for. I left A Place Called Home um, for a couple of reasons. My daughter was turning into her teenage years, and she uh, had shared with me that she was a little afraid for me doing the gang prevention and intervention. There were times when I would walk the streets looking for kids that were missing from their parents and things like that. Uh, and so... It was that and also as many kids as we helped through scholarships and sending them to college and I got to see them grow up and do wonderful things. We also lost a lot of kids and it was kind of hurting my heart to see so many children just dying. And so I thought it was time for me to move on. And then I got recruited by another company, Coach Art, which uh, mentored chronically ill youth in the arts and athletics. And, you know, talk about here we go, being around children who are dying again. <laughs> That's what that experience was like. But uh, at CoChart, I was able to take them from a local organization to a regional organization. And now they're actually national. Wow. I had an opportunity to go uh, last year to New York with CoChart. They called and invited me to go and uh, ring the closing bell on Wall Street. They had an opportunity to go ring the closing bell. And that was very exciting to go back and be with that organization. Um, fast forward, I do my own business consulting with a company. My company is Beyond Story Strategies. Mm -hmm. And um, an old friend called me and said, I need you to run my foundation for me. And so I came out of uh, kind of out of running my business. I still do my business efforts as well. But I came out and started working with She Ready Foundation. And She Ready Foundation is the philanthropic arm of Tiffany Haddish. And uh, Ms. Haddish, the actress, producer, director, not director, actress, producer, comedian. I'm, I'm seeing into the future, the director part. <laughs> speaking it, right. I'm speaking it into the future. But uh, I give away luggage to youth in foster care as that was the impetus of her foundation. So to date, I started with her last year. And to date, we have given away thousands of pieces of luggage to youth who are impacted by foster care. As they're transitioning through the system, Tiffany wanted to make sure that no child felt like garbage or trash from receiving a trash bag to put their belongings in, which is the experience that she had when she went through the foster care system. And so we did a partnership with a, with a company, Travel Pro Luggage, 
and they uh, donate the luggage to us, we get the luggage out to foster youth and, uh, and it becomes a wonderful experience. We also do some corporate team building, asking corporations to help us to stuff the luggage with different items, hygiene products and things like that to support our young people. We also do a high school tutoring program with uh, a group called Children, Youth and Family Collaborative. We promote and support them. And we do a summer internship program, which is what I'm working on right now, matching interns, uh, matching young people who've been impacted by foster care into internships in the entertainment industry. Wow, that is phenomenal. Now, She Ready Foundation, is that national? It's national? It's national, yeah. I, I, um, I, we went national this year. I started just last year. I tried to stay in California. Uh, we did one organization actually in Arlington. It was a woman's organization that we uh, supported and gave luggage to last year. Uh, but this year we've been to Minneapolis. We've given away luggage all up and down California, um, mm. Ohio. We plan on doing something in Georgia. We have a New York site that we're doing. So, yeah, it's pretty much national now as I grow it. Wow. Okay. So I want you to, if you can send me afterwards information, because people, how could people on the East Coast, how can we get involved? If we want to give, is there a website you have or something? Can we donate? We can donate. You know, uh, when you mentioned, we talked earlier before coming on here about Clubhouse. And the one time I really got engaged in Clubhouse was with a show, uh, The Breakfast Show, Breakfast with Champions show. And they decided for Giving Tuesday, they were going to uh, do a, a fundraiser for She Ready Foundation. So I was up at five in the morning because it's supposed to be eight o'clock your time. I was up at five in the morning on the show talking about She Ready Foundation. And we raised $50,000 on Clubhouse that morning. Within two wow. hours, we raised $50,000. So it was a wonderful Clubhouse day for Giving Tuesday. And as the day just continued, we just kept going. And it makes such a big difference uh, in terms of the work that we do because we're able to place more youth into internships. We're able to uh, fund more youth getting tutoring, individual tutoring, and making sure that we have what we call an educational rights holder to make sure that they stay on track educationally, like a, a, a educational mentor to just follow them with whatever school they're in to stay on track. Uh, so those are the kind of things we like to do with She Ready Foundation. Uh, just yesterday, I was in San Leandro area. San Leandro, California is up north. And we did a graduation for girls and we did uh, makeovers and they got all sorts of hygiene products and clothing and jewelry and and the luggage that they could put everything in. And they were just so grateful. Wow. So I know I have your websites, but is there a way you can send me that information so I can Absolutely. also list? Foundation.org is the okay. website. Okay. I'm just going to put that in addition to your websites under the posting because Absolutely. that way people can give, because I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. I knew I heard about our foundation, but I didn't know that we're doing, it has expanded so rapidly because you're helping to grow it. <laughs> yeah. So, working on it. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Now, what was your inspiration and vision? You already mentioned behind starting your own company beyond story. I know that your thesis was, you know, about the resiliency of storytelling for women. Can you tell me what the vision was behind when you started Beyond Story, your current company? Yeah. You know, when I started Beyond Story, right before starting Beyond Story, I was working with the organization CoChart and decided it was time for me to leave CoChart. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
and I, I did this passion test and it said my passion was basically freedom. Everything was around freedom, freedom, freedom. I just need to be free. So and um, and I wrote a I entered a contest to get a free trip to Bali and I won. And so right after winning that, I went to Bali for this business incubator called uh, iLab. Went into the business incubator. Everybody was like, there's no way you couldn't have won this. What if it's something scam or whatever? I'm like, well, I got an American Express card. I'll just get a hotel while I'm over there, <laughs> you know? And so I went to Bali, went through this iLab incubator. And through the entire time, as I was trying to figure out what business would I create, I couldn't figure out what it was. I was helping everybody else build their businesses. I helped them build their websites. I wrote their copy. I did pitches for them. I came up with names for them. I built their brands, gave them ideas for logos. And there were 14 of us in this incubator. And at the very end, when the leader of the class was like, okay, we all going to pitch our ideas and tell what our businesses are. And they were all giving their presentations. And I was like, I don't have mine. I don't know what it is. And the whole class laughed at me. And I was like, why are you guys laughing after I helped you? They were like, because we can't believe you can't figure out what you do. You help people go way beyond what they knew. You help everybody get their story. You gave all of us our stories. Mm. And so that's what created Beyond Story because I came up with strategies, Beyond Story strategies. I came up with strategies for everyone else and their methodologies and things like that. So from that, I began to create my business because I realized my business was around storytelling, helping people to tell the stories of their business and to build out strategy from that. Um, from that, I built my methodology, which I call the Story Accelerator. It's a trademark yes. methodology. And the Story Accelerator stands for, uses the acronym of the word story, and it stands for structures, targets, ownership, relevance, and you. And when you take that, those five elements, you can build out a business, a project or an idea so that you have a complete story around it or basically a business plan based on the, those um, initials. When I read that, now, you know, I've read all about you. I've read, I've read, I was so fascinated by that. That was my next question. So you jumped on ahead because we had a storyteller. You could have natural regression. That fascinated me to no end. So that's what you, but you were already functioning in your purpose. You were doing that already. You were helping. I, was I didn't know. I kept saying, I don't know. I don't know. And they were like, stop saying you don't know. You know, you're, Cause you're already doing it. Wow. That is phenomenal. And I think, and of course people will have your website to get in touch with you. Cause it's a lot of people that need that. They have an idea, they have a vision, but they don't have the structure or the methodology, they need your services. And so that's my that's my next question. What type of clients does your company assist? What services do you and your team provide to your clients? So we do classes. I have small group classes that I do probably once a quarter, an overnight class that I do. And it's a two and a half day class, usually lasts from a Friday to a Sunday. And we bring everybody together. I usually get a, a, a Airbnb, a big house or something where everybody can come together. And we don't do more than eight to 10 people per class because we like to really, really focus on each person's business. And in that two and a half days, we build out whatever the project idea or business is. 
If you have a, if you have an idea for a nonprofit and you're saying, I really want to build this nonprofit, we sit there, we put the nonprofit paperwork in, we do everything to get that nonprofit kicked off, as well as having what is it that you're going to do? What are the programs going to be? We put the story together. We build the structure, the infrastructure. The structure has to do with building out. How are you building it? Is it a nonprofit? Is it an LLC? What, what are you building that foundation on? Then we look at your targets. Who are you aiming? Who are you aiming at? What's your nonprofit? Who are the people that you're aiming for? Or if you have a business, who are your customers? What are your target markets? What are you, what's your target income? So targets goes into a lot of different things. And then the ownership part is all about who feels like they're a part of your business. I always give the example of Starbucks. I use my little Starbucks app all the time because I almost feel like I have ownership in Starbucks. Like, give me my stars, you know? So you want your customers to feel like this is a company I believe in. Like, uh, I believe in it enough that I wouldn't mind owning it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we look at relevance. How do you stay relevant in whatever is changing in the marketplace? And then the why standing for you is what's your unique proposition? What do you bring into the table? If you got five hot dog stands, what makes yours different? What's your unique signature? Do you have the juiciest one? Do you have the longest one? Do you have, the, you know, what is it? You only have pork. You only have beef. What's your special sauce? And from there, people usually have a good outline or a plan of how to move forward on their business. So that's our two and a half day class. I also do individual coaching for executives, leadership coaching to help them push through different things. When I was an executive director, you usually report to a board and, and I did as well. And so there's not always somebody you can talk to about some of the challenges you might have. You know, you don't always want to talk to your boss about challenges that you're having because they're going to be reviewing you shortly. So so I work with executives and help them bounce ideas and, and help them figure out strategies for their careers or their life. Um, and then I also do classes with other people. So there is a group, the African-American Board Leadership Institute, and I teach their classes uh, in terms of doing board leadership or governance, fundraising and things like that. So there's a lot of places you can find me teaching and uh, and I customize classes as well. Very fascinating. So people can, when I post your website, they can go directly and put in a request for consulting services. Mm -hmm. and, and okay, that, I think that your story, I just think that whole outline of the acronym is so phenomenal. Thank that you. foundation. Now I've interviewed a lot of people in a year and a half, but I have to say, and coaches have consulting businesses, but yours is the most fascinating with that story and that acronym and you give the foundation. I just found that I, I, that just blows me away. I'm just fascinated by all of that. That's to me, that's really brilliant. Now you already we already skipped ahead, but you know what? You also have a podcast. You're I want to ask about your going beyond story podcast. When did that begin and where can people listen to that? So going beyond story podcast began before COVID. You know, I can't remember anything before COVID anymore, but um, it began before COVID. And it was a podcast from different business leaders. I interviewed them. And the, the premise around it was failing forward to succeed greatly. And people shared their stories of challenges and failures because we all fall. But the key is how many times we get back up. And so we had them sharing what was it that made them feel like this one I'm not going to get back up from. Oh my gosh, this was a terrible one. It, it, you know, it didn't work. I built this business and everything collapsed. And then they shared 
what they learn through the challenges, because whatever challenge you have, you always learn something through it. So there were stories of challenges and how to get back up and make the most of whatever it is that you you had, this failed experiment. Uh, what did you do to get back up and make that success? The Going Beyond story, I stopped during the pandemic because I started doing some other things during the pandemic online. I uh, did something else. Um, what was it? Uh, money and Mindset with one of my business partners. And we did a, a show called Money and Mindset. So we started doing Money and Mindset every week. And that took the place of Going Beyond Story. And now I was supposed to relaunch Going Beyond Story. I've had so many people ask me to relaunch this podcast. But I've started doing a podcast with AARP. And so that has now taken up a lot of my time. I'm, I'm on the board of AARP and on their executive council for California. And we just launched, we're launching a podcast of AARP in California. And it's uh, called In Clear Terms. And it oh. teaches you about things that you just want to know about um, social security benefits or whatever, but in clear terms, just really basic, simple ways to understand whatever is going on. You know, you hear about the metaverse. It's like, what oh, is the metaverse? Right, right. You hear about climate change. What does that really mean? And how does it impact us in clear terms? How does it impact people over 50? Now, I love ARP. I've been a member for a while. And I follow, you know, D.C., Maryland area chapter. And they have so many different things. Will you, will you think that will go nationwide or they're just going to leave that for California? I don't think know. It'll, 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 I follow a lot of ARP programs. They have fabulous programs in general. Yes. They uh, have I read the magazine. I'm online. They have Zoom calls. They have educational platforms. But that one in particular is only in California right now. Yeah, you know, the podcast, you can listen to it anywhere. Okay. But it talks about California issues. Um, so when we talk about health care and things like that, I, I have asked the questions in a broad way. Okay. And I ask, how does it impact Californians? Okay. Mm -hmm. But you never know. Like you have grown so many other things. Never <laughs> and you have grown so many things from this to this that it may go national where you can yeah. address the name. Because I love ARP. It's a very educational platform. They have so it many. Is. I just love and I think a lot of people who have it don't really take advantage of all the benefits of being I a member of AARP. I, I pay attention. I read. They have they have a great uh dine-in and health segment on the East Coast. I don't know if that's nationwide or not, but they you I get Zoom. You know, you can go on Zoom. You can go to the articles. I just think it's a great platform in general, what they do as a company. But that would be exciting to see your California go nationwide and you could do that for the whole nation. That would be yeah, great. Yeah, it would be fun. I, we'll see. We'll see. I, <laughs> I agreed to do it for this year. We're going to see. <laughs> I bet you, well, knowing them, they'll ask you back because you tend to have a, a success, you know, you, you from listening to you this past uh, 31 minutes, I know that you have everything you do, it seems to, you know, really grow. And I think that's a really, that's a gift. That's what that is. And so I bet you they ask you back. Well, let me know in December. I'm going to ask you, okay, Dr. Gordon, do they ask you back for 2023? You'll say, yeah, girl, that and five other organizations. Because that's a gift. That is truly a gift. Now, you also, I want to know about this fascinating film 
From Watts to Africa that was showcased in the 2015 Pan American Film Festival. You actually, you did you executive direct and produce that film? Yeah, I yeah, I executive produced it. Yes. And, uh, that was a film with an organization, Foundation for Second Chances. And we took 17 youth to Senegal, Africa. And uh, it was a quite a journey taking them from their leadership class, which they took the leadership class first. And then the end of the leadership class, for those who stuck it out, we were like, guess what? Your prize is you're going to Africa. And then that was exciting until it was scary because these are young people who hadn't been on planes before. Um, getting their vaccinations, getting their passports, just having to go through every step of what it's going to take to get to Africa. And it was just such a beautiful learning uh, adventure for them. Uh, Melissa Wyatt, who ran the foundation, she just, just took her time with each child individually, making sure they had everything that they needed so that we could have a successful trip to Senegal. And so I decided we got to film this and had one of my filmmakers, a camera person and filmmaker come along with us. And he, I said, from, from day one, you just got to follow them and follow everything that they do. So his first question was in the airport, we're sitting in the airport, sitting with the kids sitting around on the floor in the chairs, everything. And he's in their face with the camera. What's going to happen when you get to Africa? What are you going to see when you get to Africa? Naked girls, dirt, trash. They had no concept that this is a continent with rich resources mm -hmm. and with plenty, as well as lack, just like the United States. And so the whole while he's talking to him, he's like, what do you think of Africa? What do you think of Africa? Well, you know, just kept asking them questions to the point where sometimes we was, he was annoying and he, they were just like, just get out of my face, you know. But I remember one of the young men when we went to Gory Island saying, as he looked out of the door of no return, they never told us it was like this. Mm. They didn't teach us this. He just, you could feel the pain. You could feel the hurt. And he just looked out like we didn't have a chance. What the heck? They never told us this. And they just got such a rich experience of how to eat. We ended up um, helping to um, put build a library for kids over there that were on a little remote island. And they just really, really enjoyed themselves while they were there. And they learned so much. They came back, walking a different walk, talking a different way. And it was just an explorative journey. Now, when we first got on the bus, I gave them all journals because I was like, everybody, you have to journal what you're doing. You have to write your story, write your story, because you know me, I'm the story lady. Tell me your story, write your story. And I told them, you don't have to share your story with me, but I want you to have it as your story. Well, one of the young ladies wanted to share what she wrote. And when she shared what she wrote, I said, that's what we're going to use for the film, because she told the story of what happened. And she told the whole story about how she couldn't believe they were going to Africa and what she learned while she was there. And she ended with, you know, I learned that we are rich people, that we have businesses and we do this and we do that. I mean, it was just really beautiful. I'll have to get you the link so you can watch yes, it. Yes, please. Film. And uh, we ended up being in the Pan-African Film Festival and um, it was very well received. That's phenomenal. Do you have any other projects like that coming up? 
Would you do that again with a different set of youth? Would that, you know, that grew out of your leadership, your mm -hmm. leadership for youth program. Do you going to have, do you have anything? I'm not trying to get you to tell nothing. We, are, to tell, we but. are thinking about it. We actually, I in the internship program this year, we're partnering with a, a organization that actually helps to teach kids how to make a, a short film. And so we're putting our young people in that program this year for 10 weeks. And at the end, they should have a short film. And so I'll get an opportunity to see what is this short film that they created. But I'm not producing there. I have somebody else doing it. Yeah. You're making that real clear. Don't forget to send me that link because that way is that, that I could see the I could see the film. If you share yeah. that with me, I would love to, to post that as um, a special separate post because um, that I, that's that's fascinating that you did that now. Let's talk about all that you give. You really have a passion in making a difference in people's lives. That's your clear passion. Can you tell me about all of the work you've done over the years for nonprofit organizations? You have done so much philanthropically and to give back. Can you talk about your nonprofit work, which is a great part of what you do? Well, most of the things that we talked about before, the, A Place Called Home was a nonprofit, CoChart was a nonprofit, and She Ready Foundation is a nonprofit. And then I support other nonprofits uh, across the, the globe and just wherever I can. I, I enjoy, like you said, I do. I enjoy supporting causes and helping people to get their causes up and off the ground, even though I do not promote starting nonprofits anymore. I'm like, go find a nonprofit that already exists and help them because there's so many nonprofits now. Uh, so if you have a small nonprofit, it might be good to volunteer with one that's similar to what you think you want to do. And then you get the hang of it and see how much it takes to do it or partner with people. So I really enjoy collaborations with nonprofits, with She Ready Foundation. We do a lot of collaborations and partnerships. And that that is what I think gives us our leverage and helps keep us strong. Uh, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I, I do contribute to other organizations and everything, but just in general, whenever I feel like it's something I want to do. Uh, I will say my family, uh, we have a foundation, the Willie and Elizabeth Gordon Family Foundation. And my family's foundation, we do scholarships. So once a year, we vote on giving a scholarship to someone. And then we we follow them for four years. We try to make sure that they have a book scholarship or a uniform scholarship or whatever it is uh, so that they have it for the entirety of their time in college. And that's something that we really pride ourselves on. We also do backpack giveaways at, at back to school time. We do a holiday adopt a family um, and adopt a couple of families usually. Uh, and then throughout the year, we'll do other projects. Uh, during the pandemic, we did nurses and food for nurses and, and um, you know, uh, first responders. Uh, my, my great nephew, he's a painter, artist. And so he actually painted pictures for the fire department to put up so that they could have some cheer and joy in the fire department oh. in his hometown of uh, Huntsville. So, um, yeah, so we do a lot of different things as a family. That's phenomenal. That's great. Now, what is what's your family's? I'm going to be adding this to the I want to put the website up. Did your fam? What's your web website for the Family Foundation? Yes, it's uh, I think it's W.E.G.F.F. Let me make sure. I better look it up. Because I would love to add that. That is phenomenal that your family and it's all this, the whole family is involved with that. That is, I want to add She Ready Foundation. Yeah. It's uh, WEGFF.org. 
And okay. that's my parents, Willie and Elizabeth. Yes. Ford. Oh, that's for what a legacy. What a legacy. That is really phenomenal that you have that legacy in your family. And that is a legacy. And that's what you're yeah. supposed to do. And that's phenomenal. I'm going to add that if you don't mind. Uh, no problem. Yeah. Along with your website and She Ready Foundation. Now, I know you have a lot of wisdom and you have done a lot of things for a lot of people. Any final words of advice for people who desire to tell their stories besides getting on your website and reaching out to you directly, what words of advice? You, you, like you help people get, I call it getting unstuck. They're stuck. And what words of advice would you give in all your years of helping people tell their stories? You know, I always tell people the one little simple thing is bloom where you're planted. Wherever you are, just start right there because you could blossom right there. People are just like, oh, I didn't do this back then. So now I'm not where I want to be or or I should have gone back, or I, I need to go here, or I need to go forward. I should have done that. Just bloom right where you are. Wherever you are, you can start. You can start blooming and blossoming right there. You don't have to have a degree to do it or anything else. You just start right where you are and sit down and say, here's what I want to figure out today. And if you don't know, just start something. You'll figure it out. That's phenomenal. I'm also going to make sure they have beyondstory.com and drtheon.com. I can give that website out as well, right? And beyondstory.com is the main one. Okay. And your family, I think that's such a fabulous thing. She Ready Foundation so we all can give. And people can give also to your family, uh, nonprofit. Yeah, there's a link up there. I have to ask my niece. Yeah. <laughs> link up there that is so phenomenal you know you're one of the first guests that actually told me they had a whole family that's involved with giving and a foundation named after your parents i think that's such a testimony and such a powerful thing that you have done with your family that really that is phenomenal you're one you know, of the first people family is is so funny before the pandemic like i think we started in i think we must have started this about 10 years ago Wow. Um, we The foundation didn't start 10 years ago, but we were on Zoom like 10 years ago when Zoom first came out. And every Sunday we have a family meeting. And so whoever can pop in, pops in every Sunday you get on, you know, it's almost like watching the Brady Bunch. Everybody just starts popping in. Boop, 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 boop. And we would get on and everybody just say how their week is going, any challenges they have, anything they want prayer for. And we begin with prayer. We end with prayer. And stay on for, you know, sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours. Sometimes I'm like, y'all got to get off of my Zoom. So, uh, But we all just get on every single week. And it's just brought us so much closer together. So during the pandemic, we were kind of laughing and saying, why didn't we think to invest in Zoom when we first got on, when we didn't know what we were doing? Because nobody knew what they were doing. I would call my sister like, OK, just push this button, then do this and do that and do this. And then she's like, oh, there you all are. You know, so it was so much fun in the beginning because we didn't use Zoom. We didn't do all of the stream yards and all of that. But um, now we're on Zoom and we're like, what's next? We should probably be doing something different. And I'm like, yeah, you guys, let me think about it. I'm trying to build something out different. And this time we're going to invest in it, you know, ahead of time. <laughs> but we did yeah, we've been so closely knit as a family, and, and it's something I'm so appreciative of, uh, that my parents have passed away, but we continue to honor them in any yes. way we can. 
And it's their legacy. It's a legacy. That is what a family's supposed to do. I am so impressed. This is why Delphine said to interview you. I'm just speechless because of all the phenomenal the gifts that God has given you. And, that, and you know, I, I always, my mother was a minister. I always say that at the end. And I relate everything that people do is to the gifts that God gave you. And you're helping so many people, touching so many lives. So I want to really thank you for your time. Thank you for your understanding, your wisdom. And I want to make sure people get in touch with you. Give to she foundation get in touch with this woman if you need to help with building out your story whatever god is envisioned with you this is the person dr gordon to help you do that beyond story so phenomenal and also your family foundation i think that's phenomenal and don't forget to send me the link to your documentary film uh yeah. i would love to yeah. see that and so i want people to say, you know, get in touch with you directly. You will have her direct websites. Get in touch with this phenomenal woman. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Uh, thank you for even helping before we got on this call. You're a person who, are, I can tell you're a giver because you're like, I will help hook these people, a person to another person. And that is also a gift. And so I want to say thank you for all that you do for the community, for the children. You have so many projects and people that they're all around helping and serving people. If I look at this, the, the foundation of what you do yeah. is, ser is service. It is. It's service. And it's service is ministry. And, and thank you for acknowledging it. it. It is definitely service. And I can see how these two, Delphine, as, a, as phenomenal as she is, you're even more phenomenal, Dr. Gordon. I thank you for your time. And I definitely will stay in touch. I really do want that link. And yeah. I will put the She Foundation. I, that's great because I knew about it, but I didn't know how we could yeah. give. She Ready Foundation. You know, Tiffany always says she ready. Yes. Oh, I love her. I, you know, I've been following her for years, but I didn't know the extent of her foundation and all that you're doing. And so if the world needs to give, you know, I think if we have opportunities to give, we should do that. And I thank you for all that you do. And people need to get in touch with you to help tell their stories. If you're stuck and you need some guidance and consultation, Dr. Gordon is a woman to do it to help you get unstuck and tell your story. Again, thank you for your time, and I hope to stay in touch. And thanks for all you do for the community. Thank you. Thank you. And next week, there will be no chat with Nessa. Dr. Gordon, I appreciate you. But I'm taking a break for a little bit from chat with Nessa. But I'll be back as soon as I feel led with another phenomenal guest. You all be blessed and stay safe. Thank you.